Good morning. I'm Darrell Gunter, your host for Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. Today I am so pleased to have one of my personal heroes on the line with us today, Ms. Shermaine Gunter-Gary. She is the Executive Director of the Atlantic County Council of Youth Programs Incorporated, of which the Rites of Passage Program, the Atlantic City Theater Guild, the Venice Park Basketball League, and the Atlantic City Youth Entrepreneurial Program fall under. In the spirit of full disclosure, I must tell you that I am interviewing my sister. Shemaine, welcome to the program. Hello. You know, Shemaine, I've been trying to get you on a program for some time, and I'm very excited about our discussion because we're going to talk about a very important topic about leadership, and that has to deal with our youth. And this Sunday, one recent Sunday, we were in church together, and Pastor Days, he talked about the concern of what's going on with the moral fiber within Atlantic City. And I think your program, the Rice of Pastors program, is a true testament as someone who is fighting this, this, this war within the community, within Atlantic City. But before we dive into that, can you share with the audience some of the highlights of your education and your experience? Okay. Um, well, I studied at Widener University towards a, a degree in English. I uh, wanted to be the great writer. And then I studied at Temple University, and um, I received an associates in chemistry, where I tried to, um, you know, be the great chemist. Neither one of those worked out, and I ended up working as a manager with McDonald's, and that's when I got into working with young people. And at that time, I volunteered a lot uh, with the uh, Boys and Girls Club, mm-hmm. Big Brothers, Big Sisters, Yes, mm-hmm. um, and I was also a Girl Scout leader. And then you were also involved with the, the YAP program? Yep. When I came to Atlantic City, um, that I did all of that when I was in Philadelphia. Then when I moved to Philadelphia, I mean moved to Atlantic City, I um, became the director of the Atlantic County Youth Advocate Program. And basically that was a program where we have just had a wonderful birthday yesterday, a young people from uh, being incarcerated. We were their last chance. Um, when I got one of those kids, uh, they had one foot in jail and one foot in the community. So it was my job to formulate a case plan and to work with the young person and the family um, to stabilize them here in the community so that they weren't incarcerated. And how many years uh, did you work on the app program? And also, if you can just speak up just a little bit louder. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked with the app program about six years. And in that six years, um, we had a 70% success rate. How do you define the success rate in that program? Uh, well, with that program, the success rate was uh, the young person not being incarcerated again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we had many, many other successes with the program uh, because we also concentrated on education, uh, vocational training, um, personal development, and um, you know, making sure that they became uh, stabilized citizens in the community. I remember one of your 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 students in the program, Angel, who's who's now doing very well, raising a family, and yes, and 
Yes. So how did you um, move into the rites of passage? What's, how did that all come about? Um, well, in 1996, um, I was the director of health and human service for the city of Atlantic City. And I would go to the school systems, and I would speak to the young people about um, job employment. It would be right before the summer months would come, and I would speak to them about uh, what it takes for you to get a job and interviewing skills. And I did an eighth-grade class, and I couldn't tell the difference between the girls and the boys. They all looked the same. And so I decided to develop a program for young girls to get them to get back to the point of being young ladies. And that summer, um, our sister Diane uh, was working with the National Rites of Passage program, and she was in Philadelphia, and she asked me to bring Mommy up for the weekend to spend the weekend with her so that Mommy could see her program. So I drove up there on a Friday night, and um, in this large room they had about 100 girls that were angry and they didn't want to be there. And um, I was like, I looked at my sister and I said, you're going to spend a weekend with these girls? <laughs> and she said, watch what happens on Sunday. And I'm like, yeah, right, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to really transform these girls. So when I went back on Sunday, I saw 100 young ladies talking about aspirations, um, loving each other, loving themselves, dressed appropriately, talking appropriately. I was like, what did she do in the weekend with these young ladies that got them to being from those, the same thugged-out girls that I had been seeing to these young ladies that were treating themselves much better? So she gave me the concept of the rites of passage, and I had a college intern at the time. And I had her to research and uh, do some more work on rites of passage and to make the program into a full-blown program because I didn't, I didn't want to do a weekend program. I wanted to do a program that would be sustaining and it would be ongoing that the, so these girls in the community would have continual support. And so September of 96, uh, we launched the first rites of passage program with 25 girls. Wow. And um, when you launched the program, what was your mission at, 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 at the time that you established the organization? Uh, well, our mission was to get these young ladies to love themselves and to um, have greater aspirations than uh, wanting to be a backup dancer or a rapper. Mm-hmm. That was the majority of what all of the young girls that were we interviewed, that's what they wanted to be. So we wanted to heighten um, their expectations of themselves and to uh, really see that there's a whole other world out there other than uh, booty dancing and rapping. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, about the program, how many weeks does it last and and exactly what do they learn? What type of, what's what's in the program? Well, we start out with uh, a parent orientation. We, uh, we invite about 50 uh, families to come uh, hear about the program. We only have 32 slots. So uh, it's, we, we will 
it down, we tried to get a good mix of uh, young people from all of the different schools and also male and female. Now, when we first started, we were just female. Now we do male and female, the co-ed program. And then we, we have um, 14 weeks of workshops, two mm -hmm. hours each week. Mm -hmm. And we also have um, one community service project um, that they do. We have two field trips. Um, we have a dinner theater um, where the, the class before them that graduated, they actually serve, cook, serve, and entertain the next class. Oh. Mm-hmm. Then we also have our higher education workshop where they go to Stockton, and the Black faculty and staff at Stockton <clears throat> um, tell them what it takes to get into the school. They take them on a tour of the school, um, and they uh, answer any and all questions they have. We also have the admissions director. He also comes in and tells them what his criteria is for young people to get into Stockton. And we take them down to Baltimore um, to the Blacks and Wax Museum. That's part of our history program where they learn about uh, some of their history. And um, then we have a day of fun at the harbor. And then we end up the program with a crossover, which is the graduation, but we call it a crossover because our program primarily works with 11 to 14-year-olds at middle age. So our when we're saying crossover, we're hoping to get them, get them over that hump of that those middle years. Mm -hmm. Because we found out that a lot of our young people are A-B, straight A, A-B students up to the fifth grade. And then come sixth grade on, their grades start to drop. Mm. And by ninth grade, they're failing. Um, so there's a whole lot of things that's happening in that middle school age that we're trying to capture and keep them on that same track of that A, B, honor roll um, level. And it, it's been pretty successful in that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We, um, we do workshops on um, I'm So Pretty, I'm So Handsome. Okay. Um, <laughs> where <laughs> uh, it's really talking about their inner beauty, not uh, their outer beauty. Okay. Um, our, our young people, they're all about their, the, the looks and, and the name brands. So we, we have uh, different wonderful speakers that come in and talk about um, what it's like um, to find out who you are on the inside and start to love yourself on the inside. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a, that's a very moving um, workshop. The young people really get into that workshop. Do you ever get a chance to uh, videotape the workshops? We videotaped the uh, first year. Um, and then we also had... One of our sponsors wanted it videotaped um, one year, so they actually uh, paid for somebody to come in and videotape all of the workshops. Um, but we have never videotaped since then. We only videotaped the crossover. That's okay. The, uh, that's the only thing we, we actually have on videotape. Um, we also have uh, workshops on economics. Um, where we invite one of our local banks to come in and talk to the young people about um, growing their money, um, which is always very interesting because um, the young people ha don't have a clue of all the information that they're um, being exposed to. And some of them actually open up their own bank accounts and they start 
saving and they understand that concept of, of starting to save your money early. Um, we do workshops on My Body, My Temple, which mm-hmm. is personal health and hygiene. We have a local nurse or doctor come in and talk to them. We do careers where at the beginning of the program, all of the young people tell us what they want to be when they grow up. And we actually target people in the community to come in and do a one-on-one with them. Oh, very nice. Yeah. So that gives them an opportunity. If they want to be a doctor, um, then we have a doctor in the community that will come and sit down and talk with the young people about, this is this is what I had to go through to mm-hmm. be a doctor. Um, teachers, nurses. Um, and then we also um, partner with the Brigada. And they take us on a back-of-the-house tour of the Brigada, where they take us from entry level all the way up to the CEO, and they show all the young people all of the jobs that are available in the casino industry. So So it it really shows them the the path to to get to that type of successful position. Exactly. And, And they get to talk to someone who's actually done it, you know, to ask and answer all of those basic fundamental questions. Exactly. We have to filter and give the kids the, some of the questions because they, they, you know, we found out in the beginning they really didn't know what questions to ask, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, um, which is sad because if I'm sitting here in a room with the CEO of the Brigada, I got some questions I want to ask. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, you know, they're young. They're sixth, seventh, and eighth graders primarily. We do have some ninth graders. Um, so we, we feed them the question, and um, and they, there's a lot of times that they, they'll come in with their own questions also. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and Shemaine, the program you started, you said 1996, is that correct? Yes. Okay, 1996. Wow, that's a long time. Fifteen years. And you've had how many classes now? We have two classes each year, and for three years we did... Both, we had three classes each session because we had a female class, we had a male class, and we did a class in Pleasantville. Oh, wow. So, yeah, those are the crazy years. So it was for three years I did three classes each year, but now we only have one session um, because of, you know, funding. And and um, during the uh, 9-11 attacks, a lot of the casinos and organizations People started generating their funding, their funding to the name brand organization, mm. and we never did get that funding back. That's that's a bit strange. Atlantic City is a very very small town, and the impact that your program is having on the city is extremely effective. I, I just find it hard to believe that the folks there who are in power and who have the wherewithal don't recognize that and, and, and really help you with the program. Well, you would think so, but unfortunately there's politics and everything, you know. So um, if you're not in, in with the in crowd with who's in politically, you don't get the same look-see. So. You know, and this program is really all about leadership. It's all about uh, identifying uh, the best of leadership, and, and unfortunately, we have to identify the worst in leadership. And one of the, the key characteristics of a poor leader is favoritism or 
self-patronage. And it appears that a lot of that goes on in Atlantic City. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, you know, <laughs> we've been watching Boardwalk Empire, and I said, well, this has been happening for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I said, whoa. I said, is this something in the air? Is this something in the salt water? <laughs> You know, it's interesting when, when you when you when you do look at Boardwalk Empire and you look at how the city was portrayed back in the I guess the 30s and, and 40s. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's such a it, it's it's such a long way from that from where it was uh, in regards to really being a, a first class resort. And back in the day, I guess it came up to it really came down to the people who were providing the excellent service. And the question is, if Atlantic City is going to compete with Vegas, if it's going to compete with Philadelphia, for that matter, Pennsylvania, they have to provide service. And, yeah. and, and it seems like that the young people or the people who, who are coming through who could be a part of that service. Should be. Should be. Now, um, the Ravel is doing something very different. And I've heard this story before, but it seems like... They're really going to put their money where their mouth is as far as training and educating the community and try to make sure that they hire um, Atlantic City residents first. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're, they're out there in the community now and they're having community meetings. And, and so we'll, we'll see where that goes. And, and um, when they say that they're going to do training, have they hired a firm to do that training? Well, what they're doing is they're using existing training agencies that are already here mm-hmm. and they've already gotten them geared up and you know mm-hmm. like they know that i do training so they mm-hmm. need to do some training oh that's so, good yeah so they're you know I, they don't have the monies i think to put toward the training for the community but what they're doing is they're giving us resources mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that we're, we're able to get the young people in and get them do that pre-employment training that they need to get the job Right. I mean, the thing about it is that uh, when you're in the entertainment business, and Atlantic City is in the entertainment business, uh, when people spend their money, they, they want to feel good about spending their money, which means that they need to have people who are going to be polite, uh, people who are going to pr- provide them prompt service, and that they're going to really eat uh, great meals and, and, and see great entertainment. Yeah, just like we just went on vacation. Yes, and yes, yes. Every, you know, that's that's. Our expectation was that's what we should have. That's right. That's and, right. And, and it was there. Mm-hmm. And we had a wonderful vacation. We did. We did. <laughs> we did. Celebrating um, our sister Libby and her husband Mike's 35th wedding anniversary. That was really a truly great vacation. Yeah. And um, so when you think about the goals for the Rice of Passage program, do your goals change every year or do you have a set of goals and you might have some additional goals for a particular class? Well, you know what? We have a set of goals, but there may be a particular class that comes in and I may say, okay, we're really going to have to um, dig into some education piece here because half of them can't even fill out their registration form. Mm. Um, They're... Their reading levels are way, way low. So what we'll do is we'll structure a lot more tutorial pro, uh, programs that we can refer them to or get them into, and we'll do something to assist that class. But our, our, our goals, they basically stay the same. You know, that's to curb 
the violent behavior that our young people have to stop teenage pregnancy, um, open up avenues that young people have no idea exist. And that's the one thing I really like about this program is just exposing them to things that they would never, never have been exposed to otherwise. And they, light bulbs go off sometimes when young people see different avenues that they could take other than, you know, the, the Atlantic Avenue up and down. That's, that's all they know. Right. right. You know, right. and then, you know, we have, we heighten their self-awareness of themselves, and, and we also discourage um, drug and alcohol abuse. We, we, we do that each and every workshop. We have something that we um, talk about because drug and alcohol abuse is so prevalent with our young people here in the community. Mm. Um, as I was speaking to the Ravel, and I was asking them, is there anything we're going to do about the, the, the rampant drug problem we have? Because the last time that the Brigada uh, went out and, and tried to do the Atlantic City first, well, over 50-some percent of the Atlantic City residents failed the drug test. Oh. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very high. And, you know, so, you know, they, they were like, well, uh, it's nothing we could do about a person's lifestyle, but we, we are letting them know we are drug testing. So maybe they'll stop. Mm. Wow. Yeah, we, we have a, a, a large drug use to share with the young people. It's recreational. We have a lot of functional um, drug addicts that, that are here in our community. It's extremely rampant. Wow. Functional drug addicts. Yeah. People that go to work every day, and, and they hit that needle every night. Ooh. Oh, this is, this is not like... Um uh, smoking pot or something. This is sticking a needle in their arm. No, we have we have we have a lot of, of like I said, I can, I can look at people because of the fact I've been working with um, families of, of drug and drug addiction and alcohol addiction for years. So I basically can look at people and I I know. Mm. Wow. But they're functional. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, they they go to work every day. And you find that a lot of their children are part of your program. A lot, of, a lot of their children come into our program. Mm-hmm. Um, our, you know, our children uh, fall into that same generational use of drugs because they see it all the time and they think it's okay. Uh, there was one of our um, drug and alcohol workshops. Um, our speaker, which was a police officer, <laughs> was talking about marijuana usage and you know how you can go to jail and everything and. You know, girl raised her hand, and, and she says, um, no, marijuana is legal. My mom smokes it every day. Oh, boy. And I, I'd like too much information. <laughs> <laughs> not supposed you know, to say that out loud. So, <laughs> exactly. So that's a lot of what we're faced with, with a lot of the young people that we work with, uh, young parents that don't have a support system, and, and they're winging it, trying to be parents. And and how is your organization structured? Do you have folks? How many folks do you have helping you with the Rites of Passage program? Uh, with the Rites of Passage, I have fourteen volunteers. Twelve of them have been with me since nineteen ninety seven. Wow! Uh, yeah. And your son is very involved in the program, Brian. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. my nephew. Mm-hmm. Yes, he. Uh, when we started doing the male uh, Rites of Passage program, he. Uh, had just got out of college, and him and his friends, um, and as, as I told him, they still had Similac on their breath, and they said, oh, we'll come in and we'll be elders. 
<laughs> yeah, okay, but you know what? They've been wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, they've really, they've taken the structure of the program. They went through the training because we do mentorship training and we do program training for this um, with anybody that wants to come in and volunteer. And they really stick to the concept of the program. And they uh, mentor the young people very, very well. Um, they have lifelong young men that have, have, they have really changed their lives. That is, that is excellent. That is excellent. You know, seeing our, our young black men to embrace other younger black men to, to mentor to them. Yeah. And that's where, you know, it, you know, we always hear people talk about, Oh, it takes a, a village to raise. It, t- it takes a community to raise a village, but yeah. it, it's, it's so important that we, we, we do that. And, um, you know, I think I know the answer to these next questions, but I have to ask for our audience so that they'll know. But uh, when did you first realize your aspiration to be a leader? Well, you know what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when I was in junior high school, <laughs> there was uh, an election for class leader, okay. and I went for it. And I got it. And I got that first little taste, and I <laughs> and I. I've been rolling with it ever since. <laughs> well, see, I thought you were going to talk about how you used to march us down to the beach. Oh, uh, that's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, um, well that's, that's, that was my training, you know. I was being trained for when I you know, went for the other position. Yeah, me, Brian, and Kevin, and, and uh, James, and <laughs> Tanya, <laughs> and Lauren. March, marched y'all down every week. That's day. right. That's right. Every day. That's right. <laughs> and, and, and what do you think are the key traits of, of, a, of a good leader? Well, if you're a good leader, you have to be a good listener. You have to be a good motivator. You have to have passion for what you do. Um, you got to have vision. Um, you have to be a good team leader and a good team builder. Because if I didn't have um, those 12 volunteers that have been with me all those years as a team, um, no way that Rites of Passage would have been as successful as it's been. Um, It's it's never been just me. It's always been the team that has worked on Rites of Passage with the young people, um, putting together the the different workshops and and molding and and guiding how things went in the program. And... um, then you, a, a good leader really needs to know when to make key decisions. And, and when you make a decision, that's your decision. And how would you describe your leadership style? I'm a dictator. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> I'm pretty authoritarian. So. <laughs> that's very honest. <laughs> uh, and I would agree I, with that. <laughs> You know, people can't, they get used to me. They, they know how I am, and, you know, um, I, I try to, to participate, you know. I try to be a participant sometimes, and, you know, I, and I end up right back at the helm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, believe it or not, Shermaine, uh, we are coming upon the close of the program, but I wanted to ask one last question, and, and tell us about your, your hero in your life. Oh, that's my mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I was young, mom took care of everybody in the community. 
Now, mind you, there was she had seven kids, and uh, we had one pair of shoes, one pair of sneakers, uh, one Sunday dress, and a couple of school clothes, and we had enough to eat. But I was like, how is she going to give somebody else something? And it's all of us here. And I really didn't like it growing up. But I saw the value as I got older mm-hmm. of all of those years she nurtured different people in the community and how she, she would take somebody that was so troubled and mm-hmm. had, had, had so, much, so many issues and they would turn around and be a productive citizen in the community, all because of the time and effort that she took with them. And I was like, wow, I want to do that. And I started doing it and um, because it's great value in being your brother's, brother's keeper. Well, Shemaine, I've enjoyed uh, our time together today. Now, you're going to come back next week to follow up on some of the key statistics and some of the issues that, we, that you face in Atlantic City, correct? Okay. Well, I want to thank Ms. Shermaine Gunter-Gary, the founder and executive director of the Rites of Passage program in Atlantic City. Shermaine, thanks again for your time and being our guest, and we look forward to our follow-up interview next week. This is Darrell Gunter, your host of Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. Remember, leadership begins with you. Have a great weekend.